Nice to see everybody out this morning. I was saying to Shane that I, I'm in a bad mood because of the weather. And I was doing fine till I went out to do chores and it, it wasn't nice out there. So I've been, and then I always have trouble standing here. So it seems like there's things on, on your shoulders. You're not sure if you're ready for or qualified for, but. Maybe this, maybe this word can warm us. I was going to read several places here. I'll start, on, I'll start in the ninth chapter of Isaiah. It's a prophecy of Jesus coming. This being the Lenten season. So I'll read from... Pardon me, Advent. My wife has to correct me. Advent season. Seems like I've gotten that mixed up before. I'll read from the ninth chapter of Isaiah, the uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh verses. Very familiar, and we, we might hear this this afternoon from the children even. Reading these words in Jesus' name. For every battle of the warrior is confused with noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Then I'll read from... I'll read the 112th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man sheweth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. And then the third one I want to read is is at the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus' own words here. Very, very last half a dozen verses here in, in the Gospel of John. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the songs, psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. 
And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You multiplied unto each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. I guess you might wonder how 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 we come up with some of our texts. I guess I, I think of the prophet Isaiah who in the very first of few chapters of Isaiah, it speaks of his conversion and how he witnessed and saw. And, and I guess we would have to say it was revealed to him the power of God and the might and the size of the living God. And he finds himself, he says, I am undone. He finds himself to be a sinner. And we know that, well, first of all, I'll say that to, in, in these three texts that I read, we, we see the living God and we see that we are sinners and we see that there is a promise comes from, from heaven itself and from our, from our, our living God that we don't have to live in despair. We don't have to live worrying every day about the fact that we are inadequate and without outside help we won't make it to heaven we don't have to i say sometimes beat ourselves up about these kinds of things but we can we can rest in these promises and rest in this in this word i i tried to read some of this before that that I read in chapter 9 and and it seems like I'll summarize it by saying that without our Heavenly Father we have no hope and and as the children of Israel we, we follow them through through history we see that they were sometimes on track and sometimes way off track but what, it, what is always consistent is that if they turn to the Heavenly Father and realize who they are and what they are, and that goes for all of us, that God's hand is still outstretched. And God's hand is still in place there. Uh, we might say he's, he's wishing and encouraging and commanding us to come to him and he will forgive us our sins. He will forgive us our iniquities. This, this prophety, prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, speaks of a child that would come into the world. And I've said before how, how if, if I was living in those days and, and knew that there would be a Savior coming, we might, I might think that he was coming in, in some kind of, uh, an amazing, glorious, earth-shattering way. 
where the skies would would be filled with glory and all these things. And and of course there was that with the angels when when Jesus was born. But it was it wasn't something very much of the world saw and witnessed. But Isaiah speaks, unto us a child is born. We know that God sent his son and and Mary is visited by the angel and she has no idea what is happening. She probably had no idea why God came to her out of all the women that would have been in the world at the time and didn't know how, how this would take place. But we see that the uh, angel tells Mary that, that fear not because when, when we're in the presence of God, we fear. That's, that's our nature. That's what we are. And he says, don't, don't be afraid. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And that holy child that would be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And we know that if, if we look at our, our nature and our being, if someone was to come to us and tell us that, especially you ladies, it would be hard to comprehend. It would be something that you'd, it would leave your mind spinning. But she believed these things. She believed in that power. Isaiah is speaking about this child that would be born. And I think of the old man, and I, I've spoken on that, the old man Simeon, when, when uh, Jesus was eight days old, he took little Jesus, a baby in his arms, and it says he blessed God and praised God. And I think of all these titles that this little baby was given, and, and even that is something we can't comprehend. Every battle of the warriors confused with, with, confused with noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. This is going to be a different battle that takes place. Natural wars have always gone on, natural wars. We think, and I, I believe it's, it's true that in many cases a lot of them don't produce much. Lots of trouble, lots of bloodshed, lots of lives lost. Battles have been fought since the beginning of time. Some, many of them are, are one warlord putting down another warlord and these kinds of things, and that's still going on. Some of the major battles that have been fought have been right fighting against wrong. And good comes of it, but, but there is much, much destruction. And I think that's what this talking about. Every battle of the warriors confused, confused with noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. This is speaking of, of Jesus coming into this world. And the battle that each individual is going to take on for himself or herself. When we believe in this Jesus that God sent into this world. He sent this little baby into this world. This, this little baby had to be nurtured and fed and raised and grown up like all the rest of us. But it says that he is a special child. Very, very special. 
unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This, this speaks of the whole world, and especially the living church. Those that believe have been given grace and faith to believe on this little, little baby boy becoming king of kings and lord of lords. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Uh, I've, I've questioned that little bit of scripture that says that, that the uh, earth is the Lord's footstool, heaven is his throne, and the earth is his footstool. And I think if this, if this earth is a footstool of the Lord Jesus Christ and we see so much wrong and wrongdoing going on, how, how is it? It goes on. God allows it to go on. It does not go on in the living church. We, we, even though we are in, in what we call the militant church, where we have struggles and problems and trials and troubles, we have that direction from this word to follow after this one it's talking about here, this child who we know physically became a man. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He's given all these titles. None of these titles, we, we, we talk about some of these things when we talk about people, but none of them, uh, I guess they all, all these things pale compared to what Jesus is. We might say someone is wonderful. We might say they're a good counselor. We can't say they're the mighty God. We can't say they're the everlasting Father. We can't say they're the Prince of Peace. But this child Jesus lives and dwells in the hearts of believing people. And he guides and directs one at a time all through the world and all through history. Countless, countless people have died since Adam and Eve's time. And countless people have been believers and he has led them and guided them. He guides it on an individual basis. He gives us understanding of this word. He gives us understanding of who he is and who, what, how, much, how much power he has. He has, he has power. There, there's a song that says, "How big is God? How, how big and wide his vast domain, and, he, and that he's big enough to rule." And, and we think of even the universe and the, the timing and all that it takes to keep it all going, and, and yet he's small enough to live in each heart. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I remember old ministers saying when I was a boy about, I don't know if it was the UN or, or what it was, but they said, how, how, can they, how can they expect this organization to bring peace in this world when they don't invite the Prince of Peace? So they didn't invite Jesus to their meetings, is, is the way they saw it, these old men who have gone on to their reward. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it, 
with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And we wonder how this takes place. It says here the last sentence. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The very power of God. The, the very power of, of the living God. He's not a God who has passed on and, and we just think of him or remember him. But he lives. He lives today. And he will be with us today. And he will be with us in the days that lie ahead of us. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I guess when I read these three scriptures, I think, well, Jesus is coming. And then he is here. And the second one I read in, in Psalms, although physically he hadn't come yet. But he, he has always been with his own. And here it, it, it tells us what life will be, be like if we, if we believe. <clears throat> we don't make a choice to believe. I don't, I don't think. We, we see the power of this word and we have a desire that we could be, that we could be part of God's blessings. And when we are able to do away with our own understandings, our own works, our own sin, and deal with it, God's greatest desire is to bless us. His greatest desire is to, to be with us. And, and we know that through, through the history of the world and, and we might say the political systems that have ruled and come and gone in this world, conditions are always different. Sometimes the Christians have suffered. Sometimes they have prospered. So that's, that's the ebb and flow of how this world works. And, and we see it on the news. We see it with, with our, well, it's a, it's a world, it's a world thing, this oil business. And we see that wealth, and, and whether this wealth is a blessing, I'm not sure. It may be and it may not be. But it's being slipped away from us real fast right now. And, and our politicians are all talking about a, an extreme crisis that's in the making. Ten years ago, the oil was 112 or what was it? Dollars a barrel and everybody thought this is, this is wonderful. And we might have been so foolish as to think that it might never end. And it, it will just go on in this prosperity. That's the ebb and flow of this, this natural world. We're all part of it. We might be poverty stricken or we might be wealthy in, in the natural sense. But this isn't speaking of, of that wealth. This is speaking of a wealth that, that, like the songwriter says, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. We might have an oil well and that's that's wealth that's been given to us. The peace that comes from a good conscience, the answer of a good conscience toward God, is not something we can buy or sell. It's not something we happen to fall into in a natural sense. God blesses those that, are, that have a desire to believe. So I'll read these things that I... This, these verses are read in Psalms. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth greatly in his commandments. 
This doesn't come to us naturally that we delight in the commandments of God. We see, we see the children of Israel, we might say up and down in their walk all through the years. And when things get bad enough, man seems to have that desire to turn to God. He realizes that I'm on the wrong road. I'm going down the wrong road. I'm not able to help my situation. We call on God. That's a delight to God. It's not a delight that we fall. It's not a delight that we go down the wrong road. But it is a delight to him that we turn to him for help. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Even fearing the Lord is is something we can't muster of ourselves. Solomon was it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Blessed is that man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. We, we, we come to love this word, and we come to delight in his teachings and his ways, even though often they, they, they rub us the wrong way as, as natural people and human beings. But if we turn to this word, we slowly begin to have a love for this word. We realize that this word is our help and our stay, and we feed on this word. Many, many places in the Bible talks about in that, in that way that we feed on this word. We feed on the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. We think of Abraham when, when it was told him he would have that son Isaac and he and, and Sarah both complained that well we're, we're way past age and we're, we're old and worn out and, and how can this happen and I, I don't know how God took that but I wonder if he, if he thought well these people need to still need to learn a few things. Abraham being was it 99 years old and Sarah was 90 or something like that, that these people still need to learn some things. The blessing that came from his life, Abraham was told that his seed, we know that he had, he had that first son because the, his Sarah had decided she's too old to bear children and, and where, where is his son going to come from? So he had a son by her handmaid. And we know that there wasn't a lot of blessing in that. But Abraham was told that, that he, his seed would be in, in numbers as the stars of the sky. And we know that with even the most powerful scopes they have and everything, you can't, you can't begin to number the stars. The more powerful telescopes you have the more stars you find back back in the in the wild blue you might say and and his seed would also be as the sands that are by the seashore and we know that you can't even with modern computers you can't you can't count the amount of grains of sand on earth Here it says that this man that delights in the Lord, his seed shall be mighty upon earth. 
they're going to make a difference. Not only, not only did Abraham have many descendants, but they, probably most of them were believing people. And that's what makes the difference. The unbeliever is going to go the way of this world, the way of the flesh. Going to find his, you might say, his delights in the things of this world. It says, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. And as I said before, this this wealth and riches isn't isn't just because we live in the middle of the oil patch, which which these days seems to be a a, a pretty much a a sign of wealth, naturally speaking. But these wealth, this wealth, and these riches are those things that we hold dear to our hearts. This this hope of heaven and this desire that the child of God has that, that even even any unbeliever even any evil person or whatever we might call them that they would come to the knowledge of salvation my natural mind even even wonders why why Satan would want to even spend any time in heaven or ask anyone else to come there and, and share that time with him but his word is this word, and his word says what it says. And God will do what he will do. He chooses those that have that desire to come to him. And he blesses them with this wealth and riches. Those when when we when we see when we see uh in the faith chapter about all these that that says they died in faith and it speaks specifically of Abraham, Noah, Enoch. It says these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These are the riches that this word speaks about. We might say Abraham was, was a wealthy man, naturally speaking. Lazarus, in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, had nothing. It says here how Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That beggar in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus himself, looked for that same city. And he found it. And Abraham found it. They searched and looked for that city and they found no abiding place here in this world. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. What makes us upright? The answer of a good conscience in the sight of our Heavenly Father. And the answer of that good conscience comes by and through the fact that we're able to believe that Jesus paid my sin debt. Jesus can, can look on each one of us and say, yes, I know you have fallen. I know you're a sinner. 
I know that you come short of the glory of God. But I have covered that. I have given my life. I have paid that debt. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples stayed back. And first he rebukes them a little bit and then he says, go and take your rest. And I can't remember the exact words, but he had to go and and pay that price alone. And we see him as as it says in the word how his how his perspiration was like drops of blood. He began to suffer for our sins, I believe. He goes through the through the mockery of the trial that he goes through, the, the crown of thorns. Nailed him to the cross and propped him up like they did. And he died. He gave up the ghost, it says. The believers stood around wondering what is happening. Jesus had told them what would happen. And he says, You won't you won't know, you won't understand until after all these things are fulfilled. That that I read, the last in the end of John speaks of some of those things. Unto the upright there arises a light in the darkness. This world, this world is darkness. This word is light. Jesus is our light. It's interesting that even in heaven we will need no incandescent lighting like we have here today. Jesus is going to be the light. He is our enlightenment right now as we sit here and speak. A good man sheweth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. All these things are, are things that we don't muster of ourselves. These things come forth from a heart that is made right in the sight of God through the work that our Savior has accomplished for us. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. This this world and and, uh, even our everyday life gives us lots of bad tidings. Like I said this morning, I went out to do chores and, and I was welcomed with what seemed like evil tidings. It wasn't, wasn't nice out there doing chores. We can have family troubles. We can have the loss of loved ones. We can have all kinds of trials and temptations, health troubles. It says this isn't going to move us. The word is encouraging that way. And we can look to our parents, our elder preachers, whoever it might be who has gone on and walked this road of faith and walked a successful journey. And we can see that this word is sure and true. It says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. The evil tidings that come to us aren't going to sway us. We have our eyes fixed on higher things. We 
have our eyes fixed on heaven's shores. The evil tidings that come through trials of life or whatever it might be aren't going to move us. We're going to stay on that same road and that same journey. He shall not, uh, his heart is established, so he shall not be afraid until he see the desire upon his, his, see his desire upon his enemies. I, I don't exactly know what that means, but I believe it, it's, it's that we would wish the best for even our enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. These are blessings. In the Beatitudes there in the fifth chapter of Matthew, Matthew, it talks about all the blessings that come to the child of God. The unbeliever doesn't have those blessings. He doesn't have the same hope. He often lives this life and dies in that state where he doesn't even realize Anything about this word. We know in in this Western world, this word is so, I guess it's just everywhere. And it's part of the blessings of of our, our Western world. Part of the blessings of the believing world. I think of Luther back in the 1500s coming into what history calls the Dark Ages, and enlightenment was brought into the world. He changed the course of the world. And I'm not giving him the honor. He was an instrument. And of course, we will. We will give him honor. Because in the battle that he fought, and the life that he lived, we can see the hand of God working. And we know that the world has been blessed in the last 500 years because of that, that work that went on. But Luther himself said, all he did is stay with the word. All he did is keep preaching the word. And, and he wrote thousands of articles translated the Bible, did all these things. That was his job to do. We're thankful for that. But he said the Word did the work. The Word always does the work. Always has, and it always will. His horn shall be exalted with honor. And then it speaks of the wicked. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. They have their reward. The wicked. Even the the Pharisees. And I, I don't say that none of them were saved because I believe they were. But the when Jesus came into this world... They were a strong force, and he had to he had to battle those Pharisees. But he says of of some of these people, and he says of I guess it's the the unbelieving world. They have their reward. 
their reward are, are their loves and their lusts and their desires and their ambitions and the things they accomplish in this world. And when they close their eyes to this life, and I remember as, I don't know if I was in my teenage years or 20s and, and that, that one Soviet leader died, it was a Brezhnev, and the, and the Time magazine had a picture of this, this, that's just an artist drawing it. Anyways, he was, he had this iron fist holding on to what he had in this world, we might say, the power and the, and the glory of men. But when he died, this stone fist just lets go. And that's it. They have their reward. They have maybe praise of men. They might have wealth. The I have a I have a book on the on the city of Saint Petersburg, and it's it's unbelievable the the uh, golden palaces and and uh, statues and halls and marble and and the, the wealth that's been amassed in some of these places. But we don't want to put our trust in those things. There's nothing there. When when the scriptures say that the elements are going to melt with fervent heat at the end of this world, I believe that'll happen. All these things are going to going to just disappear and vanish. So we spoke of Jesus coming. We spoke of Jesus here. And these are the last instructions Jesus gives us, each one of us. Very end of the, I might have said the Gospel of John, it's Luke. I'm sorry if I said John, but Jesus says, after Jesus had walked with those two disciples on the way to Emmaus and opened unto them who he was and then disappeared out of their sight, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? At what? When Jesus opened the scriptures concerning himself, their hearts began to burn. That's that fire it's talking about that I read in Isaiah. But this shall be with burning and field of fire. So the two men, they were going to turn in for the evening, and they didn't. They wanted to tell the others late at night. As they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Jesus says, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. It seems that this is the only thing that was part and parcel of this world that we're going to see in heaven outside of Jesus himself. 
And it's part of Jesus. But it says he showed them his hands and his feet. And says, handle me and see. Jesus came back at this time in a glorified state. No one could harm him. He was not tempted by sin like he was in his whole, the rest of his life. Tempted but never gave in to it. The spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? So he says, I'm not a spirit, I'm not an apparition. He is a glorified Jesus. He asked for something to eat. It's, it's, that's baffling to me. They gave him a piece of uh, broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat it before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which, which I spake unto you while I was w- yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. When, he, when he's on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples, it says he went through. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded un, unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He brought to light and to life these scriptures. And it says then that he opened their understanding. It's interesting that these people didn't know who he was. The, the two disciples didn't know who he was. They, they asked him in, in for the night, to spend the night because it was getting late. But it says when he blessed bread, he took bread. They were going to have a, have a snack, I guess, before they went to bed. It says he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. We know that in the scriptures, the breaking of the bread is a picture of of us having Christ broken in, we might say, a small enough pieces that we can, can taste and digest and know and feel who he is. It says when he blessed and broke the bread and gave it to them, that's when they realized who it was. And then he vanishes out of their sight. It says he opened their understanding that, it, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is a risen Savior we're dealing with now. And the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I think this is being left out in lots of circles that speaking and talking about this word would reveal unto the individual that he's a sinner and reveal what he can do about it. And and I'm not saying we do anything. The word does the work. The word encourages us. The word gives us faith. Encourages us to believe. Commands us to believe. This message would go out into all the world. 
until Jesus comes again. That repentance and the remission of sins, not only the repentance, because man can be in a repentant state and not know what to do about it, not know where the help comes from, but the remission. The scriptures tell us that, that, that God has given this to man, given us the word of reconciliation. When Peter went into the house of Cornelius and Cornelius had gathered a great company of people, Cornelius, he says, this man is going to tell us words whereby we can be saved. It doesn't just drop out of the sky. We don't come into faith by osmosis. It comes in the preached word. Believe your sins forgiven in the precious name of Jesus. This message is to be preached to the end of time, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of those things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. The promise of the Father, I believe, is that this word will go forth. They were, to, they were to stay, those disciples were to stay in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. And I believe that happened on the day of Pentecost. And from there they've, they've gone throughout the world. And here we have it in Gimlet this morning, that this word is still with us. This word is still alive. This word is still powerful. Until you, until you be endued with power from on high. And then it says that how Jesus left this earth. We think, I, I think this, this world is in that state where he's coming again soon. It says he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And Acts, there the first part of Acts, it tells us that he will return the same way. He was received up into the clouds, was glorified Lord and Savior, who had conquered all wrongdoing. And we believe in the work that he has done, and we can conquer wrongdoing. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Praise God for this word. word will get us through. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
thank everyone for coming for morning service. Uh, service will be followed by a five everyone.